Hi. Hi. Hey. <laughs> we have today for episode six, uh, Sean Green, CEO and co-founder of Arternal. I mean, it's amazing. So this couldn't be a better time to talk to you about like what's going on with digital because considering the timing, yep. uh, everybody's switching to digital. Everybody's doing their online exhibitions. Fairs are going to digital. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are doing it better than others. And, Correct. you know, just like the first thing is, is how, is what do you guys do to what does Arternal do that makes it so good for the digital to get that data, to be able to use it to the gallery's advantage? Yeah. Um, you know, for our client base, uh, we've been very focused on helping them drive sales, like number one. And mm-hmm. data is the way how you should be making business decisions. And we've been building different tools to mimic what they typically do, whether it's on a spreadsheet or whether it's a text message or whether it's a phone call to be able to track different parts of their experience. So, you know, pre COVID life when everybody was on a plane or, you know, at a fair or doing a private viewing, we saw that the market, you know, since 2015, when we actually pivoted to tools behind the scenes uh, and called ourselves Arternal, uh, we saw that if everybody's working in this, you know, dispersed way, how are you able to track, handle, and manage uh, your sales and you know your pipeline of activity? And how are you also able to understand your staff? You know, like you want to be having constructive conversations, and you want to be doing those conversations around data to be able to drive closer to a sale. And and fast forward to today, you know, in the middle of COVID, um, you know, if you can't see your client, engage with them in a very, you know, the art world's very touchy-feely and physical and, you know, people mm-hmm. are always, you know, wondering what people are wearing and eating and doing and drinking and looking at. And so you can do 10% of that today, maybe through a Zoom, <laughs> you know, uh, but the data is very focused on, for the gallery, it's like, what are people engaging with? how do I not spam my client? Like people wonder about data and is data a thing that I should be worried about and protecting and all that stuff. If you were really worried about data, you'd be worried about it 30 years ago, right? Like mm-hmm. the conversation around data and privacy, doesn't, it doesn't really exist today. It's like, a, from, from my opinion, it's a false conversation. It's like giving people false hope, you know, protecting this and that, you know. Um, data's out there. There's an article... Uh, by one of my homies, Tim Schneider. <laughs> we had Tim. We love Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I DM'd him. I was like, "Yo, you're finally bringing this data conversation to like, like opening the box on data." Um, because his article recently was just talking about how, you know, in e-commerce, like there's there's a treasure trove of information around your target client or target market, and for the first time ever the art world is going to be able to think about this 
and understand how they could utilize it. And it helps from both ways. Like I talked to, you know, I have a lot of friends that are collectors. Um, and then I have a lot of clients, obviously, on the dealer side. But one of the things from the collector side is, is they feel like they get this spray and pray, right? Where it's like, I'm not being targeted to. You know, I'm, 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 I'm being hit at. And even more so with all these, hey, look at my online viewing. If dealers leveraged data better or data more, they would be able to understand the engagement, the interests, how people you know, are activating as it correlates to the collateral that they're sending them and then be able to push through content that maps the preferences, right? That's the focus. You want to be able to push targeted content to your people um, that are interested in your programming so that they feel that there's a certain sense, you know, sensitivity around, you know, caring for me because I'm inundated <laughs> with everything. Um, and if there's not that, you know, empathy and that care, then people don't want to do business with you. And that gets magnified in a digital landscape. Like the amount of emails that people just toss to, to, to you know, spam or, or trash, like people don't even understand that. You know, I get deals like, can you tell if my email ended up in spam? Or if it ended up, you know, in somebody's trash, like, no, I can't, we can't go that far in your data. But that's where you need to be, you know, mindful of your communication and how you're engaging. Right. Which I think people are more sensitive to now. You know, they've they've gone complete. Like some people have been like, I can't send an email during COVID. You know, I'm like, shit, I, got, I need to like wait a bit. Now things are starting to like, you know, open up a bit as, you know, different centers across the globe are opening up, you know, in Asia, in Paris, in London. You know, things are slowly starting to open up upstate New York. But, you know, people were, you know, they were shocked and, you know, taken aback. So they they, they, but they've like paused, they paused for a minute on like, how do I outreach? You know, what do I do? So, yeah. <laughs> I just, think it's really interesting. So much nodding. <laughs> there, and I, it's not only the nodding, it's also like the smiles. Mm -hmm. And it's like the simultaneous, everyone smiles at the same time. I, I, do, I love that. I think it's funny. But, um, I think it's really interesting because for me, I remember two years ago at our Basel Hong Kong, I sat in on this conversation because I really like the title. It talked about the power, the power structure and data, how data facilitates this idea of quote unquote power. And I think power, the idea of like hierarchy, hierarchy structure in the art world is something that people don't talk about. They do talk about it. And then it's almost like a taboo to talk about it, even though everyone knows that there's evidently a hierarchy, like everybody operates within that. And um, within the conversation, you could you could literally see where people situate themselves. So like there was the the ones who were like, yes, data like really facilitates what we need to know because it's very neutral. It's not actually neutral based on the way that you want to go and collect data and like analyze it. But that's a different thing altogether. And then the ones who are just completely like, no what do you mean this is so offensive why would you ever say that and you've got the camp of the shall we call it purists of saying that well we do this because we love it and obviously we love it the three of us love it right because or else why are, why are we talking about this but then also having that tool to go and use data to go and strengthen the conversation so i'm curious as to know as to knowing good english here um 
where do you see this now in terms of how galleries are using this idea of data? Because I think we're always going to be within the conversation of the purists versus um, I'm going to call a more entrepreneurialistic mm -hmm. um, and the sort of like the difference between the two. Yeah. So I see this going to a place where there's a, there's a hybrid. There's a hybrid between your digital, you know, experience and your physical. And I think that will continue to evolve um, as we learn to iterate on both sides of the aisle. You know, the art industry is amazing. It's fantastic. Um, there's nothing wrong with the art industry today, right? Like, there's absolutely zero. The only thing that's wrong is like, there's, there's this event, you know, called COVID-19. Um, but the art market has been fundamentally broken for a while, right? People who actually know a market know that it, it's, it's, it's broken. And, you know, Erica, you brought up like, you know, this, this, the, the entrepreneurial, you know, go-getter, dealer, and, and other people who are, you know, on that side of the space where they're making a lot of money. You know, they're, they're crushing it, you know, with their, with their art businesses. Um, and there's the, the power structures that are in place. Now, that's also the reason why they have that power and the reason why they are where they are is because of the lack of information flow, right? So they thrive on that. That's why digital hasn't had the imprint or impact that it should have. Because if you keep digital out, if, you, if, you're, if you're not embracing technology, then it keeps those power structures in play. It keeps that flow of information just within certain hands. Now, if you democratize access to information, you can open up the market a bit more from all angles, the collector's angle, the artist's angle, the dealer angle, the auction house angle, and we can participate in a larger ecosystem, right? But that takes a crawl, walk, run approach. Instead of doing that, we've, we, we've started the Usain Bolt sprint, right? Uh, and what's lacking right now is education, you know? So you have the purest side of the conversation that's like, we do this because we love it. We want the world to be able to appreciate and not muddy the water with capitalistic endeavors. But let's face it, we're, we're trying to get away from paying rent, you know, you know, maybe not getting away from it, but you know, we want to stop paying rent for a minute, right? Why? Because we're trying to get a little bit of reprieve or get a little bit of uh, balance here because we've been shifted so far into like, oh my gosh, our business, what do we do with our business? Because it's the business of art that should, that, you know, the purists need to also key in on. Like in order to make this cool stuff happen and to be able to fund certain artistic endeavors, you need dollars, right? And without those dollars, it can't happen. So we need to be mindful. You know, it's a delicate balance, but we need to be mindful in the fact that, you know, we, we need to respect the fact that there are certain levers that push and pull, you know, business. Both from the purest angle, like, 
you know, you don't want things to be tainted. You know, you want people to be able to come in and be emotionally involved. But on the backside of that, you want to be able to fund it, right? Or else people have no access to it. Okay. So how do we get it? So how do we use data to go and get the money? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good, it's a good cue. Um, You know, one, it begins by giving people tools. Like people, people need tools to be able to understand data, you know, the the art fairs which every one of us you know miss and don't miss depends on (laughs) which which part of the aisle you know you talk to um but their value uh will diminish if they don't start providing data back to uh their exhibitors right that's incredibly important right now because the value of the art fair was the fact that they could uh, galvanize certain people around, you know, and have them descend upon a particular, you know, city or state or country. Um, Now, what they need to do is go from an event-driven business uh, to a digital business. And how does that manifest itself? Well, it's, it's fine to have these digital rooms that people enter in, but the value that you were driving to people before is giving them the ability to talk and engage and understand who's coming in the room, being able to look at people's faces and things like that. Now you can't look at a face. You don't know who's coming in, in your booth, but digitally you can understand their footprint, right? If I tell you, I'm, you know, I give you my email address to get access. It's like you have, the, like you have a paywall in the New York Times. You, know, you have an email wall with these uh, online viewing rooms. And so these fairs need to be able to give the data back to the galleries to help them monetize better, right? To have a return on investment. Um, and there's a whole new conversation around the economics of a gallery today when you're not focused on your brick and mortar, right? And having to pay that rent. And how much does brick and mortar have an impact you know, going forward? Um, and so being able to understand who's engaging, when they're engaging, who's coming into my online viewing rooms, how do I remarket? right? You want to be able to remarket to people that have had some sort of engagement with your collateral. And that'll help you monetize better from, from a dealer perspective. Um, and, you know, there's, this trickles down, you know, to art advisors, consultants, you know, artists even, and how they can be able to leverage digital. I mean, if everybody's eyeballs are on digital, artists are going to be able to as well. They get information from, if they have the business account on Instagram, they get to understand who's engaging, what are they doing, you know, and they can, you know, put their e- email as a business account and have people communicate them to directly. So, you know, there's going to be certain power structures and dynamics that shift as we continue to, to see what goes on. But again, you need to make data-driven business decisions. That's how, you know, that's how you'll be able to, you know, generate that money. It's interesting that you say that because I, anecdotally, a friend of mine, an artist, has an, uh, a gallery representation from an, a primarily e-commerce-based gallery. Right. And during this time, he was asking them specifically, what's the data? Tell me what people are interacting with most on my page. I will make more of that right now. Like, I need the money. I need the, you know, like, what is it? And they couldn't give it to him, which I thought was very interesting that you're engaging primarily e-commerce. I would think that that would be the goal, but I guess some people are just like, oh, I'll just throw up the site and put up yeah. some stuff and then help people engage and still kind of try to treat it like a traditional sales situation. Um, 
which is just so funny because it's just like that's what are you doing this for if not that but um i do think in terms of like what the fairs are doing and the galleries are doing to you know varying levels of success um what's been most interesting to me or not most but very interesting to me and i'm curious if long term this is going to affect things because this does kind of address that anathema of like withholding information purist we're not capitalists versus like the entrepreneurial spirit of we still need new collectors and things is this new level of transparency that we're getting a little bit in this in the art fairs and the websites where prices are announced or you can search by price or you can search by gender or you can search by you know medium which is you know when you're talking about the art and the feelings and the emotions it feels like oh well it shouldn't matter if it's under 10,000 or over 10,000 but practically it matters if it's under 10,000 or over 10,000 because i have only so many bucks mm-hmm. um do you think just it's a little bit of like a futurology situation but do you think that that's going to be something that we finally get to hold on to because i know we've so many people especially like tim schneider uh name droppy you know we've been talking about that for years like if we had some more transparency people would feel more comfortable coming in and talking to us because we do have this very you know elitist if you're not in you're out mentality that people don't feel welcome yeah and i think that you know dealers dealers will tell you what matters to them is the sale, right? And so if that is the case, you want to try and find out, you know, who your buyers are and who the next generation of buyers are, right? Yes. In the art world, there's no farm team like there is in sports, right? Like you need to be cultivating the next round of buyer. The problem is if you have no data, you don't understand people's engagement. Which means you could have somebody who spent a million dollars with you back in, you know, let's say, just say five years ago, right? And so you continue to invite this person to your dinners, but they rarely spent with you since spending a million dollars, you know, with you over the course of 2015. Now you have somebody who's actively been spending $50,000 $50,000 with you over the course of that same fire. So they, they spent a quarter million with you over the course of that same time period, but you don't give the same level of respect to that person who's giving you 50 grand a year, which could be a hard earned 50 grand. You give more respect to that person who dropped a million dollars. And if you had the data, there's probably more of those smaller pocket people who are be, are keeping your business thriving, but you don't understand who, who they are a lot of them. And you don't understand how to bring them into your dinners, to your events, to your parties, and be able to do that better. And I think that, you know, it's the nurturing of the collector that's missing. And, you know, you're going, right now I feel like dealers are, are shy to give a new collector access, for, to, you know, to, for in, to some extent, and, you know, at different levels. And it's because they're like, oh, are they going to flip it? Or what are they going to do? And, you know, I've heard multiple instances where, you know, well-to-do individual looking to, you know, start their collection or get more advanced at their collecting, be shut out by the dealer 
because Dill didn't know who they were, right? And there needs to be a, a central nervous system of information that could help dealers understand more who this collector is. Not just, you know, there could be the, the negative byproducts of that, but if you can be able to have somebody walk into your gallery and have an understanding or a more full body picture of who that individual is, what they collect, where they've collected from before, if they have donated or commission works and things like that. Then when they come in, it's almost like you can look up their LinkedIn and be like, oh, shoot, you know, this is, this is who this person is. I should treat them with a certain level of respect and start foster that. That's mm -hmm. missing. And I think that's, again, where data can have impact on, on these collectors. That's or really interesting because I think it's, it's almost like this is where like our humanity or our, because it's so hard not to be distracted by the million dollar purchase mm -hmm. that like the fit, like five fifty thousand dollar purchases don't feel like that much. Yeah. But in the long term, if that one person, you know, you, who knows where that other thing could grow. But if you have the data, that's like, no, 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 this person's buying consistently, you know, once or twice a year and know that the purchases aren't as grand, the big, you know, you don't get the big, big commission, but this is steady and this is worth, and that's hard. And then it's the same thing with like developing new relationships. It is scary. What are they going to do? But there's ways to find out. And if people are more open and transparent, then it's like, oh, okay, who is this person? Have you worked with this person? They've come in, they've been, you know, steadily interested. They just haven't found what they wanted yet. Um, it's really interesting how that data can really be, that like clarifying like support of like this is where you can go like yes that's shiny and pretty but this is the this is a really solid path and if you have enough of those paths then the shiny pretty thing is still shiny and pretty and you'll still get those but then if you've got five solid paths it's the same amount of money or exactly. more exactly okay i have a question <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> so we've talked about um the art market to the extent of the more commercial side of things. So the yeah. dealers, the collectors, the fairs. And Sean, you had very um, lightly touched on the idea of artists. Yeah. And so I'm curious, if you are an emerging artist, an early career artist, an art student who's, and like, let's face it, they're, they are affected as well. They are part of society and trying to go and make sense of what's happening. How would data help them? Or what sort of clarity in terms of, we've talked about this idea of transparency. Right. What type of data transparency exists currently that would help artists to get into the market? Or yeah. even to understand the market, let's, I think, get into the market is like, I don't know, it's like Mount Everest. So like, let's pull it back a little to just know about the, the market a bit more. Yeah, I mean, you know, definitely paying attention to just, just art market reports in general, you know, like, I think that's because that's, it's data that's out there. Um, you may be like, well, how's this going to affect me? You'll at least understand like what people are talking about, you know, so there's the, the Basel art market report, there's an the art tactic report. Um, there's the Hiscox, you know, digital report. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, you just understand what the conversation is, right? And then you'll, you'll try and see where you fit within the conversation. Um, 
And then it's about, you know, if, if you're, if you're represented, um, you want to make sure that you have access to who's collecting your work, right? You just, just understand and, and, and have, have those contacts, be able to reach out because in a time like this, we're effectively the, the art world has had all the major lines of, of access cut off for them. Um, you as an artist need to make sure that you're still able to thrive. You know, you're still, you know, you, you know, yes, the dealer is responsible for, you know, the, the business side of the business, but it's, it's, you need to also have some power in your hands as well. You know, even though dealers may not want to hear that, but you know, artists, artists should always, you know, know their worth and you know, your network is, is sometimes half of your net worth. And so being able to drive your own networks, be able to understand, you know, who's interested in what you're creating, be able to form an audience around your work, I think is key because if you can prove and show yourself as a power player on your own, you know, as you, as everybody knows, every website that you go to from a notable dealer, it will say we're not accepting any solicitations or submissions, right? So how the heck do you get in? Um, you you got to build that brand for yourself. You got to build that name for yourself. And yes, you know, we've all been and probably and still are, you know, hungry and hungry and working and trying to get to the next level. Um, but you've got, you've got to uh, be able to find it within yourself to be able to understand, you know, what do I need to become successful? Leverage Instagram, you know, leverage digital, understand how to run your own ads against your own artwork, right? You know, there's a lot of things that you can do, you know, as people come to your site and you have your cookies turned on and you understand, you know, you know what they're engaging with. There's ways to be able to collect and understand your own data. You know, if you do some simple research, understand marketing, you know, the art world doesn't talk a lot about, you know, marketing because it feels like it's not that type of a retail business. But when you're going digital, then we're talking e-commerce, right? And we're talking data. At the end of, at the, end of the day, that's all that's important. So figure out what your e-commerce strategy can be, you know, as an artist and figure out, you know, how you can market and throw data out there um, and then be able to receive that information back. I've been noticing, especially on Instagram lately, there have been some people who've been serving me some ads and it's been a nice fit sometimes. And I'm like, this is great. Also, just for everybody listening, send stuff to art dealers and consultants and local curators. No one says that they're not taking submissions, not like major head of Guggenheim stuff, but I swear to God, if you send me a nice email saying, I've seen the things that you've done or that you've posted, I would like you to look at my work. I absolutely will. Um, because also, again, back to the sales, us dealers and consultants are hungry and we're always looking for the new, new. And if you get to me before, you know, I'm, I'll push it. Right. Well, and I know a lot of other dealers and consultants who will do the same. Um, if you so, don't know how to write it, go and send it over to me because I'll be like, that's yeah. not what they're looking for. That's that is looking- 100% <laughs> not the language that you need to be using. Exactly. They would be like, what are you trying to say to me right now? Mm-hmm. But so this goes back to episode five about outreach. But this is the thing where it's if you look at what's going around, you keep your eye on the markets and what's like trending, you can figure out like who's talking about what, where, and then you can. Um, I don't know, you can really utilize that uh, well. So, now's the time, I think. Sean, what have you 
heard, read, seen this week that is interesting to you? What's what's percolating in that brain, that beautiful um, brain? <laughs> uh, well, I grew up in Toronto, Canada. I was born in Jamaica, but I grew up in Toronto. Oh my gosh, I got two Canadians. I love it. <laughs> but and, I'm a West Coast baby, so you know. <laughs> nice. And one of the things that I saw this week that I thought was just interesting, non-art world related. Well, I mean, there's a lot of cannabis in the art world, so maybe it is <laughs> related. Uh, but two Canadian researchers uh, saw that um, they've been, you know, messing around with cannabis, you know, doing, doing a lot of testing and things like that. And they've actually, uh, found out that stronger, there's some stronger strains of cannabis that can actually prevent or help with the treatment of Corona or COVID-19. And I thought that, do we need another reason to get high? <laughs> but it's not, it's not that, it, it's actually like the, not that, you know, strain yeah. of that we smoke, but it's, it's, it's like, um, you know, cannabis, a stronger strain of cannabis that you can actually, you know, probably ingest and, you know, doing more research on it. Super interesting. I like that you and I had exactly the same. I know, our same face is like, what? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I should yeah. try to like go back on the recording and like just get the screenshot of both of us being like, this is interesting. <laughs> oh, Sean. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's so cool. I love all, it's, I love that somebody funded that research. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it is legal in Canada, so yeah. it sort of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Come from it every other which way. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I love that. Um, super, mm, this might be too much, but is there anyone that you're seeing out there that's doing a really good job with their digital strategy? Like, is anyone else that every time you see their stuff coming up, you're like, damn. You guys are doing it. Um, I mean, I'd be remiss not to mention. Obviously, everybody that you're working with, 100%. They're <laughs> you're already smart. If you're, you're an eternal person. <laughs> you're definitely, you know, you, you've got the right tools in place, and we're, we continue to enhance and iterate on them. Um, but David Zorn and his team have been doing, you know, stuff for a while, you know, Elena Sobolova, hopefully I'm pronouncing her name correctly. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but she's, you know, running, you know, part of their digital strategy. Um, uh, over and it's the, worth uh, noting that they got into the digital and invested in that way before this. Like, yeah. that's, this has been a priority for him for a minute. So yeah. that's it great. has been, you know, to the point where he's like, I'm, he may limit the amount of art fairies that he does in the future, um, which that's, got to send shockwaves through the fairs if I'm running a fair, right? Because, and it's all because he's been able to cultivate and build a digital audience, which is what most, you know, 97% or more of galleries have not done, cultivate and build a digital audience. And we see in this time and age right now that, that that's actually a detriment to my business if I have not cultivated and, and built out, you know, an audience that's digital, that's following my programming, that understands what I'm doing so that I can actually keep myself afloat during this time, right? Sales blue chip to smaller down 90% plus across the industry. Now, some people are going to be able to weather that and some people will probably never set foot into their brick and mortar again, or 
people are going to, you know, Darwin is, you know, and its theory is going to have some impact here, survival of the fittest, right? Uh, and so people who are able to understand how they need to be agile, you know, because, you know, we like to say ag- agility is the new growth today. And if you're not dealing with the anal- analysis paralysis and be like, oh, what was me and what do I do? And maybe I need to like stop and shrink and pause. If you're able to move and, you know, do your research, dig in, figure out who's doing it well, how can I mimic that, right? Um, you know, if, if you're able to do what others are doing well and make that, you know, a part of what you build your team around or bring in the right players that you need to be a part of your team, you know, now's the time where you should be experimenting, right? Because as you know, if you tried to get a dealer's attention in February, it probably didn't happen in any time before that, years on end. Um, but deals had a lot of time after the armory when things got real, right? Like, you're just sitting at home. And if you don't have a distributed work-from-home strategy, how are you working with your team? It's one thing to have somebody who's sitting next, next to you and, you, you know, you're able to banter back and forth. When that person's, you know, in their own crib and, you know, doing what they got to do, kids, family, you know, working from home life. Uh, how are you activating, you know, that particular staff? How are you understanding how they're doing? How, how are you understanding how they're helping to impact your business? Or what's the strategy that you're going to do going forward? You know, you need to be able to be putting these measures in place now so that this never affects you again, right? This has been like a jolt to the art market. And how do you put yourself in a position where you're not going to be affected by this in the future? Yeah. I love that because this is, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. So why not try five new things? Mm-hmm. Because one of them might be the thing. That's true. I love it. Um, Sean, will you tell our lovely listeners where they can find you on the interwebs? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think across all my social, um, Sean underscore Arternal. That's S E A N underscore A R T E R N A L. Think of eternal or internal. And I'll put this in our little blurb on the bottom <laughs> so everyone can easy click, but it's yeah. nice to hear it from you. And our um, website is eternal.com. That's that if you're a dealer, you know, art auction house specialist or, you know, private dealer, you can leverage our software. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, thank you so much. So good uh, to have you and I really appreciate your time. Yes. And your So interesting. This is fun. Yes. Until next time, I am Alexis Hyde. You can find me everywhere at Hyde or Die, H-Y-D as in David, E-O-R-D as in David, I-E, or AlexisHyde.com. I'm Erica Wong. You can find me on, well, basically everywhere, but I think the easiest would be on my Instagram, which is to practice a practice. So that's T-O-P-R-A-C-T-I-S-E-A-P-R-A-C-T-I-C-E. And I'll put all of this down in our little blurby so you guys can get some easy click-ons. And until next time. Bye. Bye.